You are my spoiler, my only spoiler. You tell me plot details when I don't want them. You never notice how much I hate you. So please don't spoil my trouble with the curve. Uh, this episode has spoilers for Trouble with the Curve, you've been warned. That was incredible. <laughs> That's the intro music. Word. If it isn't Professor Smarty Pants, we should never stop working on ourselves. You ain't walking away this time. Hello, and welcome to the Justin Timberthon. The podcast where we watch and review everything Justin Timberlake has ever done. I am always of your one and only host, Harry Dobbs. Welcome back. It is lovely to have some listeners. Uh, I've had quite a good week. <laughs> See, I'm just not introducing you. What's happening? Uh, I think it's weird for a podcast to have two hosts. I think Dude. it's quite confronting. So um, what I'm going to do is this is my podcast. And when I'm getting to the review, I'll be like, and here's a review I made earlier with my friend, Mae Thompson. But I'll just do the first, four, like, 20 by myself. And then I'll do a little, like, wasn't that lovely? So nice that Mae could stop by. Well, little do you know, Harry, by saying my full name, you have, in a way, introduced me. My name is Mae <laughs> oh, Thompson. Welcome no. to the Justin Timberthon, the podcast where two Wait, friends review you every single thing that Justin Timberlake has ever done. I'm Mae Thompson, and as always, I'm joined by Harry Dobbs. <laughs> are, you, are you just the only host now? <laughs> You wanted to do a hostile takeover. Yeah. So now I've reverse hostile took over. Took hostile took over. <laughs> reverse hostile took over you. Because I think I don't have enough agency in this dynamic. In this pod- in this comedy partnership that we have. Yeah. All decisions are made by you and I'm like, yeah. I think I'm very much the ant and you're the deck. But I think that's rude to deck. But I think... <clears throat> you know when um, Ant McPartland did that uh, crime... Yeah, yeah. yeah um, That's more of a you move. Than you know a when Evan did that crime, and everyone was like, oh no, Dex on his own. If it was the other way around, everyone would have such faith in Ant. It's because it's and Deck. Yeah. It's May and Harry. Deck's the little guy. I'm not that little. Uh, I just. I You're taller than me. I measured myself yesterday because I have to for the doctors. I am 5'10, which is deranged. Yeah, I'm 5'7. It does. How can I be 5'10? I'm so That's small. so silly. I'm such a small little guy. Is it May and Harry? Because I think it's Harry and May. I you on the, you write Harry and May on the yeah that's as an act of courtesy to you. <laughs> no, but also I think I don't like, write any of the bios. I think alphabetically it just like sounds better when you say it. Yes, yeah, true. I think Harry and May has a better ring. Going to it. from the I sound to the A sound in and Harry and May. The May the, and Harry. Yeah, it's because it's two e A's. Goes up. And A goes down. Because A on May, and then A on and, it's too, it's a bit of a mouthful. May and, oh yeah. Yeah, so Harry and May works a bit better. May and is quite but a I, nice But let's be honest, I prefer Dobbs and Thompson, so. Dobbs and Thompson's good. <laughs> Thompson and Dobbs is a, a mechanics. Sounds like a, like a, um, estate agent. <laughs> Dobbs and Thompson, that's a comedy duo. Yeah. That's comedy partners right there. Thompson and Dobbs you can trust with your contact details. Dobbs and Thompson, you cannot. Yeah, we're a couple goofy <laughs> wackadoos. We're a real Bob Mortimer and Vic Reeves. Vic and Bob? Bob and Vic. Vic and Bob, I think. I've not actually watched much of this stuff together other than TikToks of them arguing. I've watched clips of um, The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer. 
That's a great name for a show. Yeah. The really smell good. of Dobbs and Thompson is a bad <laughs> name for a show. It's really bad. <laughs> what would be a sort of like that version of that? Um, Look out, it's Dobbs and Thompson. <laughs> no, because knowing us, we'd overshoot, be like, we can come up with something profound, we'd call it the death of, De- of Dobbs and Thompson. And then everyone no, would that's, what, like, that's what we call that. the third show. Okay. Um, that Dobbs and Thompson look is a threat. I think it's just <laughs> Dobbs and Thompson is the first one. Mm-hmm. I imagine like three standalone sketch shows. Okay. All commissioned by different broadcasters. No one worked with us twice. Yeah, so it's Dobbs and Thompson on the BBC. Right. And then we go over to ITV and it's like um, Dobbs and Thompson live or whatever. <laughs> But then that looks like live, oh, and it's not live. So it's Dobbs and Thompson, Dobbs and Thompson live, Dobbs and Thompson die. The death of Dobbs and Thompson yeah. is on Channel 4. Yeah. <laughs> it's on Dave. There's reruns on Dave. There's reruns of the oh, original no. BBC show on Dave. I think it's more likely that we'd be Dave, BBC, Channel 4. Down, up, middle. Uh, yeah, settle in the middle. Because I think most comedians start out on, with a show on Dave. A lot nowadays. That's the model. Yeah. I'll be honest. There's a chance we could get a show on Dave now. We definitely couldn't now. We could. That's unrealistic. <laughs> I. I am. I know this good industry. at talking. I'm not. I'm really not. Um, that's why you do all the setup. Then I yeah. talk to them. That's why you I put do. me in front of Robin Morgan. I get him on Timberthon. Yeah, um, Robin Morgan's coming on this show. We yeah, let's talk about that. Um. I, uh, yeah, I went to see his. Uh, solo show, you were there because you worked there. Mm. Um, it was really good, really loved it. It was a great, it was um, Snip Snip Bitch, it's such a good show. Really fantastic show. Um, so yeah. And then he had one red wine and is coming on Didn't Ask and Yeah, well I, I left the venue afterwards because I was like, well I don't work here mm. and I've got friends who work here but it's their staff drinks. I'll go to uh, Weatherspoons around the corner and when you guys are finished up you might come join us and I went with a friend of the show Ollie Edwards and um, then Ollie left and I was just sort of sat because I still had like half a drink left when Ollie left yeah so I just sort of sat in the corner drinking a wine on my own and I was like I'm just gonna go home but I messaged you to be like last chance if you're gonna come Mm -hmm. to Spoons I'm gonna go in a minute Um, or can I just come up to Glee yeah and then you had to get um, Sam Lloyd to make me your plus one. <laughs> make him his plus one or something. Yeah, well, because I messaged you be like, well, chances are you can't come up because we're not really allowed friends. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, but acts are allowed friends and you are friends with Sam Lloyd. I am like, friends with Sam Lloyd. I walked up to Sam and I was like, it felt, I felt so small. What did like, you say to him? What was, was like, that exact conversation? I was like, oh, Sam, May's, May Thompson's around wanted to join us for a drink and he was like oh yeah that'd be great and I was like cool uh, you're right to ask the, the venue manager just because we're not allowed to bring friends but you are and he was like good plan and then just went up and did it but the venue manager just turned to me who clearly just got up to ask Sam and just turned back to Sam I was like yeah because I don't think he actually cared that's great but you know like comedians are allowed to bring up friends and family so it's totally allowed I'm a comedian you're also yeah but you yeah, were, you were but I'm friends and family <laughs> The comedy family. Yeah, and family. We're all connected by the comedy family. <laughs> That's the worst thing anyone's ever said. That's... It's because the comedy circuit is fucked up and yeah. horrible. My dad said, is there any point in me listening to your Justin Timberlake podcast? And I said, no, because I don't want him listening to this one. Because <laughs> the things we say on this, 
Yeah. Like, I have a go at Henry for what he says on Didn't Ask. It's normally, like, fine. The stuff we say on this is deranged, and I don't know why I keep doing it. Like, I was genuinely... My plan for the How Are You section this week was also going to talk about the council tax issues I'm having. That's not funny, It's though. not funny. It's just it would be me getting genuinely really angry. But, like, I don't know why podcasts just bring this out in me when yeah. I'm not, like, carried by a format. Because I overshare all the time mm. on these things. It's rare that I regret it, to be honest. There's a couple of jokes I've made on this where I'm like, if my dad hears that, that's a long conversation that we're going to have to have. Um, I ordered a package uh, from Canada recently, mm-hmm. and I had to download all the fucked apps. You know what I mean? As it's done, like, like, Timu and stuff like that. Oh. Because there was a certain thing that I wanted to buy. <laughs> there was a thing that I wanted to buy, and uh, it was like a, it's like a handmade product. Oh, I thought... <laughs> it, is, it is It is the thing, I talked, it is the okay. thing I'm going to cut, but... Um, oh, yeah, and it was, like, the only... Because they're made, like, specialist. Mm-hmm. The only place I get it was from fucking Canada for some reason. So Weird. Yeah. Maybe there just wasn't, like, a UK manufacturer who was good. Um, That's fair. That's true, actually. Yeah, the UK sucks. It's far too early in the day to be making this kind of noise. Um, I had to download... I had to download an app called Shopify... But when it landed on my phone, it was just called Shop. So I just ah. have an app called Shop now. And it looks so... It looks like it came pre-installed with my phone, but it's one of the ones you'd never use. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like health. Was yeah. Like, if I'm going to do a health app, I'll just download well, a you've got an one. iPhone. If you, have a, if you have a Samsung phone, it comes automatically installed with an app called Samsung Members. Ooh. And I've never been on it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just like... Get some discounts on Samsung products, <laughs> and that's the whole app. Can you cut the bit where you say I have an iPhone, I want to stay relatable to all the plebeians who listen to this? Okay, yeah. You've got a Tesla. And... <laughs> <laughs> we are currently in my in my $1,000 house that we... That's why I was complaining in last week's episode. I was like, I want a bigger... Well, yeah, Mr. Beast actually gave you a call earlier and said, hey, can I come visit your mega mansion for... Oh, yeah, I forgot to say, because... Um... As I said in last week's episode, I was going to watch a lot more Mr. Beast. I actually watched every Mr. Beast video and um, commented on all of them. And he was like, I'll give you a million pounds for every comment. And I'm rich now. Did you watch more Mr. Beast? No. Did you not? <laughs> not. Yeah, me too. I, I watched, thought I might. I watched quite a lot of things this week. I watched all of Us Strangers and uh, left the cinema. I was like, I'm going to call my parents. And then it was like 2am. I was like, I can't call my parents. It's a really good film, but it was really upsetting in a lot of good ways. Hey, a good film that was really upsetting. That reminds me of something. We're not there yet. You can't segue yet. There's too much to do. <laughs> it wasn't even a good film. It's not a good film. We haven't... I'm saying that your bit of the How Have You Been is covered now. You've had a little... Yeah, how are you, Harry? Uh, I'm excited. Yeah? I'm going to India in two weeks. A thing I've not mentioned on this oh, podcast yet. We've got to get banking. we got to get banking some away for a while. Because <laughs> I've realised Didn't Ask only has one release day while I'm away. Because it's like headlines. We've got three, I think. Three? Um, It'll be a while, because... Yeah, I'm away from the 23rd to the 10th. Which isn't great uh, for this, but it's great for me. Because I want to get the fuck out of this place for a bit. We should bank a few episodes. (laughs) I mean... We we should do that anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we need to get ahead of this. We're currently essentially paycheck to paycheck on on Timberthons. 
So the the issue is, me and you have a difference in belief. I think it's fine if we miss one, <clears throat> but you don't. don't. I don't want to, because like, then that's the beginning of the end. I reckon either if we make it past thirty, we're doing them all. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because right now I'm still in a case of we'll see how far this goes. But I'm committed. I know you are. <laughs> I'm so if we pass thirty, I'm like we're doing this because that's the rule. The yeah. rule is always thirty. I thought it was twenty. It might be 20. Now that we're just closer to 20, you've made it 30. (laughs) We'll be at 30, but what if we hit 50? If we hit 100, I might consider it. If we finish it, we'll definitely finish it. (laughs) That is such a me thing to say in a way that I hate. I'm just like, well, if a thing happens, then it happens. Yeah. I'm really good at saying something that sounds like it means something that really doesn't. And I quite like that. Yeah. You are very good at just saying words and hoping it, it has a meaning. Oh, yeah. It's why I'm so good at lying, because I just sound like I'm telling the truth. I just I, have the vibe of someone who wouldn't be lying. I did the best lie thing ever the mm-hmm. other day. I went to a clowning workshop. I don't think I've talked about it on Oh, no, you haven't. I went you to don't a, talk to me about this. It was it's fucking sick, man. Mm. It was so good. Um, I went to a clowning workshop led by um, Joe Kent Waters, who's BBC New Comedian of the Year. Nice. Last year, I think. He does a character called Frankie Monroe. Really mm-hmm. fucking weird character, exactly my kind of thing. Nice, love it. Um, but he's been like trained by the French prestigious clown schools. You know the ones? Uh, oh yeah, the French you know the ones, you know the ones where the schools. old man's like, "You are a piece of shit, you fucking dog." You know the show then, The Bear? Yeah, I want to make a yeah, show yeah. The Bear, but about clown schools. That, 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 that probably is already a show. <laughs> probably, there probably is something there. Um. Yeah, but uh, we did like a little exercise on like tricking. It'd be, called, and... it'd be called the bear on the tricycle. The bear on that's the dancing bear. The dancing bear. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I had to stare off into the distance to come you up had with that to one. Interrupt my anecdotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was too good to miss. Um, we did an exercise on like tricking and lying. Um, we did a thing where we essentially just like passed a, we passed like a pen around the mm. circle. And whoever was in the middle of the circle closed their eyes and had to guess where the pen was just based on like the sounds of it hitting the floor and whatever. Yeah. And um, I ended up with the pen at the end and um, he, he started like questioning me, asking if I knew where the pen was. And um, I made him give me money to get him to tell him, to get me to tell him where the pen was. He gave me one pence and <laughs> I, I put it in the same pocket as the pen and then said, I don't know where it is. Oh, that's good. So then at the end, I got to be like, well, here's the thing. I keep my pens in the same place where I keep my money. And then <laughs> took out the pen. And it's one of my proudest moments of all time. I really was that so was happy good. with that. Um, I didn't go to this because it was at like 10 in the morning. And I don't wake up at 10 in the morning. It was great. I don't wake up at 10 in the morning, but it was really good. To be fair, I woke up at 10 today and then I went back to sleep till like 11. Yes. And then we had to... I did this. exactly the same thing. Yeah. Just, it's underappreciated... Going back to sleep. It's fucking sick. It's the best thing. It's the only not awful thing about the fact that I work exclusively evenings. Oh, I'll tell you it's, what, it's good, man. It's you're great. waking up and being like, no, not yet. Not today. Not not today. But what is today? Well, I'll tell you. Today we're reviewing Trouble with the Curve, and I'm on blurb duty. Trouble with the blurb. Trouble with the blurb is that I wrote. I should have it. saved that if you fucked up the blurb. I could have said, "Alright, play Trouble with the blurb." So we have to give a pause, you can cut it out and then do it properly if you want. No. Okay, you were like, you can go because I'm not doing noise anymore. Then you've opened a second Kit Kat. It's the same Kit Kat, but um, 
It's Kit Kat Chunky, so it's different pieces, you know. Controversial. There's multiple pieces in a Kit Kat. That's the Kit Kat's whole thing. Controversial. Don't like Kit Kats. They're too biscuity, but not in good biscuit way. If I told you that I can't eat rich tea biscuits, I went to uh, I went on a holiday to Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, and my dad was like, "We'll bring some rich tea biscuits, just so like if we ha- if we can't find any snacks we like, we've got one." Um, two weeks into the holiday, I opened mine, eat one, look down, and it's full of ants. Oh. And um, now I can't eat rich tea biscuits anymore because uh, I think they'll be full of ants. Which I think is fair, given that that happened once. Mm. I think that's it's one of those things. That it's only a risk you take once. When baseball scout Gus, <laughs> <laughs> when baseball scout Gus starts to lose the use of his eyes, he gets the help. He gets help from his daughter Mickey, who's a talented lawyer. They do some scouting and prove that an angry old blind man is better than any computer will ever be. Matthew Lillard, you little cuck. JT plays a guy. That's, I think, what the plot of this film is. This movie... It's not what this movie is. It's the wackiest, most fucking insane film I have ever seen. So, for context, may watch this first. And oh, so like a day, a day or two before you. Yeah. yeah. And I think about once an hour from her watching it to me watching it, I got a message be like, no, no, dude, you got to watch this. <laughs> you got to watch this. Surely not. And for the first 50 minutes, I was like, I've been pranked. This is a dumb bit. May has just, like, exaggerated this to get me to watch a really boring film. Then, oh my fucking god! <laughs> Can I guess what the point was where you thought, oh my fucking god? Uh, yes. You was were... it the line dancing scene? <laughs> no. Um, I think... The problem is, I watch too many weird movies. So for me, I was like, oh, this was a case of someone on set. I was like, that'd be good. That'd be really funny yeah, sure. if we do that. What was the scene? Um, it was the the introduction of the fact that Cl- Clint Eastwood killed a man. Yeah, oh my god. He killed a man, got away with it, and just thinks he'll get arrested. And then, th- we'll, we'll cover that more later. Clint Eastwood plays Gus. the old man with glaucoma. Yeah, he's got glaucoma. <laughs> and it's really funny, because um, <coughs> the way it's introduced is you see a POV shot of his, and it's like a big blur around the guy he's scouting. But I just thought that they'd censored the guy for some reason. Because <laughs> it took me way too long. And then he puts his glasses on and it moves. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, a, an, it's an eye thing. This film felt like they made a movie mm-hmm. about Clint Eastwood with glaucoma being helped by his daughter, Amy Adams. Yeah. And then they made a movie about Amy Adams doing kisses with Justin Timberlake. And oh, yeah, then they so thought... Elaborate. We could put those together. <laughs> we could edit these things together. And they just did. They just sort of filmed some extra shots with Clint Eastwood and Justin Timberlake in the same room, banged it's them together. So jarring. This is two different movies. It's two. It's two. Well, two is giving it credit. I think yeah. so it's only two because it's also a film about Amy Adams being a lawyer in the big city. It's or also something. a film about Clint Eastwood killing a man and getting away with it. <laughs> This, alright, let's try and vaguely fo- go from the start to the end. Yeah, can, can we do, can we just, from memory, maybe we'll help us our notes, mm-hmm. try and figure out the plot of this film. So, the film... My, I took my notes in real time, so they're pretty Same. much describing the plot. I'm pr- I didn't take as many notes, but I watched it yesterday, so it's a bit fresher. The film starts with, with Clint, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood pissing. It, yeah, he it, the opening is him pissing and talking to his dick about how it's bad at pissing. That's the opening of the film. And, uh, <laughs> Don't 
how his dick is bad at pissing. That's how it starts. That's <laughs> your dick's only I think, job. I think he's like, come on, don't do this to me. Because he also speaks in like, I can't do it, like a whisper growl. It's like, come on, <laughs> don't do this to me. Don't. He's like Batman talking it's like to a, his it's dick like about how bad. bad at being a dick. It's so bad at being a dick. But... Alright, there's a game, and I can't remember what it's called and it's bothering me, where you walk around your house and you're trying to fix everything before a ghost comes, but there's a swear button, and you just be like, fuck, <laughs> god damn it, shit. And the whole time Clint Eastwood's character just feels like he's got that button. Because he'll just be walking around his house and be like, fuck. And then you like, kick a chair, like, shit. <laughs> and it's that kind of delivery the whole time. Clint Eastwood has glycoma. <laughs> Sorry, um, my first note was, uh, opens with Clint Eastwood talking to his penis, kicking a chair, and then eating spam. <laughs> That's the first scene. He takes out a bit of spam and goes, feast for a king. <laughs> and then eats some spam. <laughs> then he goes to watch, because this film... Then we go, no, then we go to Amy Adams, who is yes. a, a lawyer in the big city. And, and she's, she's about the... to get partnership, but maybe not. There's I, another guy. I wrote, I I've never known what a partnership is. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's in every single film where there's a lawyer, and I don't know what that means. You what is her job? Partner. Basically, um, it's just more money. But she might be the only woman partner. She'll be the only woman, and he, she's like, hey, I grew up with boys who farted and burped. I'll be fine. Also, and that's, her, that's a genuine quote from the yeah. film. <laughs> also... Amy Adams is a lawyer in a big law firm in, like, Chicago? Uh, uh, um... Seattle. No, it's, it begins with an A. Atlanta? No. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Atlanta. She is a big lawyer in a big law firm in Atlanta. She, in 2017. Mm. She is not the only woman. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> she is definitely not the only woman. They have hired women before. They will hire women again. Well, maybe the only woman to make partner. Still. So, right. <laughs> I think it's a uh, Here's a shot. very simplified version. So you know how, like, a law firm might be three people's surnames? Yeah. Those are the three partners. So if you become partner, then your surname this will be added. This is a massive law firm, though. So you know Nelson and Murdoch from... No, I know, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. But yeah, but no, I think this is like this a This is basically... Firm. Say it would be the same as like, you're becoming part of head office. In that way. Okay. I think... I don't really know how lawyers work. I've just watched Daredevil a lot. Sure. Because at the end, when Karen becomes a partner, they're Nelson, Murdoch and Paige. And in um, Better Call Saul, there's similar stuff. Uh, Clint Eastwood says a slur. He does. Um, I won't say what the slur is. He says the R slur, I think. Oh, no, he says the M slur for small people. Oh, he does. The R slur also comes up. Yeah. But um, that's the character who says that is the baseball player who's the worst guy ever. Except for Matthew Lillard's character, who's, like, fine until he's not anymore. Yeah. Because Matthew uh, Lillard, I forgot, was in this film. Um, I'll tell you who is in this film. Uh, Billy Clark is the character. I forget who that is. I think he's in the film early on. He's played by Scott Eastwood. Oh. Clint Eastwood's son. <coughs> Which I thought was interesting. It's nice. Um, so, so, Amy Adams calls her dad Clint Eastwood late at night. She yeah. calls him late at night. He's in bed. 
He gets angry because he doesn't know who's calling. He has no idea who's calling. He, he has an old rotary phone yeah. in 2017. And he picks up this old phone, doesn't know who's calling. It's late at night. He says, who the hell is this? And Amy Adams goes, well, fuck you, dad, and puts down <laughs> the phone. What? <laughs> they Because there's a previous scene where they go for food together. And it's really stilted conversation. The dad mentions baseball and she walks out. And I'm like, I don't know what but this dynamic is. We'll get to that, because she actually loves baseball. Oh my god, she loves baseball. Um, this I... woman... Lo- all right, I've got a quote, which I think is around this time, where um, they introduce his... It's not an arc for uh, Gus, Clint Eastwood's character. I'm just calling him Clint Eastwood. Because yeah. he's like, you gotta, you got to live and breathe the game of high school baseball if you want to be good at this and Matthew Lillard's like but I have a computer that tells me everything and um, Clint Eastwood says anybody who uses a computer doesn't know shit about this game it's 2017, it's 2017. computers have been in baseball for over two Money decades Ball now Moneyball has happened at this point yeah. Moneyball uh, is a story about how an algorithm revolutionised baseball and changed how everyone does it and Clint yeah. Eastwood's like you have a computer you fucking piece of shit prick can I tell you my favourite quote from this film? Yes, please. So, Amy Adams... <laughs> Sorry, okay. Clint Eastwood is cooking eggs in a pan. Yeah, yeah. I think I've Clint got the same Eastwood quote. Clint Eastwood is cooking eggs in a pan. Amy Adams comes in, sees that he's got glycoma and there's smoke everywhere. She picks up the pan, puts the pan in the sink. It's just eggs in a pan. Clint Eastwood picks up the pan and says, and I quote... No, 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 don't do that. What are you doing? This is nice stuff. Oh, I have a different quote from that scene, which I think is the previous thing he says. Because Amy Adam goes, are you okay? And he goes, I know you're a vegan, but this meat protein could be good for you. <laughs> and that's the whole interaction. Nah, then the thing the, you said The whole happened. interaction is, no, 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 don't do that. What are you doing? This is nice stuff. One sentence, no full stops, no pauses. No acting. Very little <laughs> acting from Eastwood in this one. Then I've jumped to, there, there's a baseball game. <laughs> I, I have a note at this point where I wrote, I'm 50 years too young for this film. <laughs> yeah. And I really am. Um... There's a baseball game. Oh, and this... the hotshot baseballer, who I don't remember okay. the name of. Um, um, Bo. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. <laughs> Bo Burnham. Bo, the hotshot baseballer, Bo Burnham, is saying something about a chick fest. He's, yeah, he's there's a little dweeby cunt with, with red hair and glasses, and he's a dork. He's not good at baseball, he's but somehow not. he's on a prestigious baseball team that is being scouted. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's just kind of there. <laughs> and it's very important to introduce that this scene, Bo is very rude to a man who's selling peanuts. Somehow this is important later. He's rude to a man that's selling peanuts. And he calls him Peanut Man. And then he calls someone else Bacon Boy. And I don't know what that was about. Um, yeah, so Clint Eastwood and a bunch of other people are scouting Bo, because he's really... He's like, he's the kind of thing in a movie where I'm like, that's better at baseball than I'll ever be, but also maybe not that good. Because I don't know how what being good at baseball means. Yeah. He hits the ball sometimes really well. He's There's a running thing of him hitting it out of the park and it hits something else, and he's like, haha, that's kind of it. He's a piece of shit, and that's also important. 
Then we go to a bar. No, then we meet Justin Timberlake. I was going to say, I've Justin, got notes about Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake plays a scout. He's not a troubled baseball star, as initially thought he would be based on the poster well, of this film. he kind of was. He was a baseball star, now he's a scout. He fucked yeah. his arm or something. Yeah, he messed his arm up because yeah. he didn't ask for help. Now he's a baseball scout because he wants to be a presenter. Yeah, he wants to go into broadcasting or something like that. So we're introduced to him as he has a little tape recorder... And he's recording himself kind of present, like commentating on just some kids playing baseball in a field. And then the kids look at him and go, what are you doing, weirdo? Yeah. So first I was like, oh, he's got like a nephew or something <clears throat> in in that group. And he's like kind of making him laugh. No, none of the kids know him. Yeah. There are no other adults around. And then he's like, ah, and gets in his car and drives away. That's not how you introduce your romantic male interests in a film. <laughs> Makes him look quite bad. So, after the baseball game where we meet Timberlake, we're in a bar. Yes. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. That scene happens before all the stuff with Bo. After the baseball match with Bo, Justin Timberlake comes up to Gus and is like, I'm a big fan. And then no, they like, know each other. They've known each other yeah. for a while. Because um, I think Gus scouted him. Clint scouted yes, Timberlake. Yes, I keep calling him Gus. Yeah. Clint scouted Timberlake. Well, that's the Timberlake. character's name, so it's actually fine. <laughs> we're not good at movie reviews yet. We'll get there. They're too long. We need Mr. Beast-sized content. Can I talk about a thing that happens in this bar? Yes, please. (laughs) So this film features one of my favourite types of movie feminism, where they don't know how to write female characters, so they just make them wear a leather jacket and make them angry like a boy. Yeah. (laughs) And Amy Adams, boy, does she have a leather jacket. Boy, is she angry like a boy. There's two forms of this kind of thing. Either they make them angry like a boy or horny like a boy. It's no, no other scene. <laughs> yeah. She's not very horny in this scene, but she is pissed. She wears a leather jacket and plays snooker. Yeah, it's... Like, I was kind of in the headspace of if I was at this bar. She challenged, A guy asks her if she wants to play a game of snooker, and she's like, yeah. And then she pops every single one of her balls in one go. I'm like, that's rude. Like, like fumble one shot so he can have a go, at least. And then... He starts, like, groping her and saying, like, we should go for a dance. And she's like, don't do that. Then Clint Eastwood grabs him by the neck, puts him on the wall, punches him, and is like, never fucking touch my this daughter again. This is an 85-year-old man with glycoma. 85-year-old man who <laughs> has most... glycoma. <laughs> he's blind, basically. Like, the way it's shown, he's pretty fucking blind. He sat really far away. He's then just here attacking this guy, being like, don't touch my daughter again. Amy Adams is then like, fuck you, dad, you shouldn't have done that. Then Justin Timberlake comes up and goes, no, no, it's fine. I'm this girl's brother and this guy's dad, so this is fine. And then he kisses his sister on the lips. (laughs) I missed that bit, but got the bit of him apologising for kissing her. And he goes, sorry, I've never had a sister that's that hot before. He full kisses her on the lips. Oh my god. (laughs) It's, Um, like, this is a quick summary. It happens this fast. Yeah. Like... It's such a quick game. Then, <laughs> then. Oh I yeah, think... Rod- yeah. I don't know. Clint Eastwood was going to kill a man in a pub. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what happened. Then, um, I think I might have skipped a scene because the next scene I've got is Clint Eastwood is playing baseball with Amy Adams. It's pretty close after that. Yeah. So this scene where Clint throws the ball for Amy Adams oh, to so hit cringy. out the park, um, fully. This is true. 
I anticipated that scene being Clint Eastwood throws the ball too hard and knocks Amy Adams the fuck out. It really felt like it was going that way. I really thought that was going to happen. But instead what we get is he throws it, Amy Adams hits it, and then does a really slow home run walk. And he's like, the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I'm, I'm having my celebration. And they hold on it for so long. <clears throat> Everything else in this movie cuts so quick except for this run. It was at this point in watching the movie that I texted someone to say, hey, I'm watching this fucked film with Amy Adams, Clint Eastwood, and Justin Timberlake. And she replied saying, I love Amy Adams, but that girl needs a new agent. Yeah, very fair. <laughs> so at this point in the movie, I re-downloaded the app Criminal Case and started playing that again. It's a great game. <laughs> I could, That's not, why I could a... not take my eyes off this film. There's a big gap in my notes here. I was paying attention, but I wasn't writing anything down. Then... Justin Timberlake dead names Caitlyn Jenner. Well, no, I googled it. This film was before she came out. Was it? Yeah, because yeah. okay. as soon as that happened, I was like, "This will come up." All right, fine. But no, this is before. That's uh, okay. Off the hook. That's fine. Yeah, because when it happened, it was so confusing. So I was like, "I don't know who," because I never followed the Kardashians. Like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I was like, "Oh, that's the dead name." Googled it. I was like, "Oh, this is like four years before that happened." Then Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake go on a date to a bar. Yeah, I went back with my notes, I think. And then they play a game where Justin Timberlake gives Amy Adams baseball trivia and she has to answer it. And when yep. she answers one correctly, everyone in the bar claps. No, what happens is um, she asks it. him one and then he delivers the answer in the voice of a radio presenter and walks away from her and then when he finishes, everyone in the bar claps. Oh. <laughs> like, what are you clapping? Then... They do line dancing. <laughs> they do some line dancing. It was at I this point that promise I promise you were not making any. This, of this was work. the moment that I texted you. Okay. The line dancing scene. I went. This is fucked. You've got to see this film. It's like, I was so ready to not watch this and just like that would be the joke of this episode. But then you were texting me. And I'm like, I gotta watch this one. I actually do have to watch this. <laughs> Insane. It's deranged. Then they have a bit where um, they're talking about why Bo Burnham... Bo um, Burnham, the baseball the player. The baseball player, Bo Burnham, um, can't hit a good ball. It's because he can't hit curve balls. That's why it's called the trouble with the curve. No, it's called trouble with the curve. It's important that there's no the... Because the title is brought up in the film, and I will bring up Oh, yeah, don't worry, later. I've got that as well. Yeah. But um, the the exact wording is his hands drift, and Amy Adams is like, "How do you know this, Dad?" And Clint Eastwood's like, "I can hear it, but also, can you go down and look to make sure that is happening?" And she goes down and looks like, "Yep, that is happening. That's happening." <laughs> then they're in a river. What? Yeah. So, is this the I forgot I don't Justin miss... Timberlake Amy Adams case bit? Yeah, yeah. they're so in a river. They're in. They're doing the classic movie thing of they're having a conversation sitting on the hood of the car and Justin Timberlake goes to kiss her and she like pulls away and he's like, don't worry, I'll wait. And she goes, how long? He goes, however long I need to. Then he starts stripping naked. I didn't see that there was a river there. So I was yeah, like, what I is he doing? He doing that. Then in his pants, he just runs and jumps in the river. Amy Adams then goes, no peeking, takes off her trousers and then just runs in <clears throat> so like he's gonna see anyway then this like then they just make out and I'm like oh so that's how long he waited 30 seconds then the next scene um yeah the big baseball people that Clint Eastwood works for mm. books Bo Burnham 
Yeah. They take Coburner. Oh, no, we Clint missed Eastwood... a bit. Oh, yeah. So Clint Eastwood tells Justin Timberlake, who's scouting for the Red Sox, a different yeah. team, that like, he's like, um, don't, don't book Burnham, his hands drift, he's bad. Justin Timberlake tells the Red Sox this, so they pass on him. Then Clint Eastwood's people hire Bo Burnham. But without so, Clint Eastwood's intention, yeah, against, he didn't want well, to. Yeah, again, because yeah. Matthew Lillard has a computer, and the computer is bad. Yeah. Then Justin Timberlake's like, fuck you, how dare you've lost me my job so that you can get Bo Burnham. And Clint Eastwood's like, no I didn't. And then Justin Timberlake goes to Amy Adams, I bet you were in on this too, then drives away. And he's not in the film for a while. That literally takes place directly after the kiss scene. Yeah, this it's is the next. so quick. It's kiss scene, Bo Burnham booked, they fall out. Then. Then we get to... Amy Adams the is in a hotel. In Right. Take it away. Take it I away. have a lot of opinions. So, this is where... I obviously have a writing degree. I have a degree in film. I know how to write, but I'd argue that anyone with a brain would not do what they did in this film. So, Amy Adams is like, Dad, Clint Eastwood, why we... When Mum died, because their Mum died, why did you not let me keep Dubouse baseball scout with you? I wanted to be a baseball scout. I was having fun. Why did we stop? And Clint Eastwood's like, Baby. Look, there was a time <laughs> where I was scouting baseball, and I was holding your hand. And then and I, you were hanging out in a shed. <laughs> we were, I was holding your hand, we were in a horse field, and you were like, I want to look at the horses. And I was like, not till we're done baseball scouting. And then I let go of your hand to shake the hand of the other baseball guy. Then you were gone. And I was like, where are you? And then I found you being molested by a man. And I killed that man with my bare hands. <laughs> so I sent you to live with your uncle. This is never brought up again. This, this is, is this is not... For, it's foreshadowed in the sense of he beats up a man in a pub. Entirely irrelevant it's to the story. Never. Of a man once. with glycoma. Yeah. And Amy Adams is like, I don't remember this happening. And he's like, well, you were too young. They don't bring up the fact that this memory has resurfaced. Amy, literally, never mentioned again. We forgot to talk about one of my favourite scenes in the film, but we'll come back to it. I was going to say, I'm not done yet. Yeah, yeah. Because this is so offensive to bring up this heavy of a topic and do nothing with it. Not foreshadow it in any way, not develop it. This must be a case of there was an older draft where this was more important. But then they were like, well, we've cut a lot of it but we've still got him beating up a man in a pub. So we've got to explain why he did that to have to keep the child molesting subplot in. And that shot was badass, so we just can't cut it. Clint Eastwood nearly died pushing that man against the wall. But Clint Eastwood, like he says, I was strangling the man till he didn't move anymore. I was convinced the police would come for me. They never did. Then Amy Adams goes, why would you never tell me this? And he's like, you were too young. They never talk about it again. And in my opinion, this is the second most baffling writing choice in the film. Because <laughs> most baffling writing choice yep. happens directly after it, where Amy Adams is in a hotel. And <laughs> she sees uh, a man and a boy playing baseball. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. He, and I love this film. I, I, I hated it. Two seconds ago, I'm back. I'm so back. He's throwing fastballs to a little boy. <laughs> 
And then Amy Adams puts on a baseball glove and goes, hey, can I catch balls? And the dad goes, you sure you're up for it? I'm like, you were just throwing this at your child. And then the guy, this just normal man, he just works at a like, hotel. He works at the hotel. Amy Adams only knows this because he, she could hear the ball being caught through her window. She goes out and is like, can I catch? The guy throws the best pitches she's ever seen. And she's like, throw me a curveball. In every way except, like, actually, she is a baseball scout. Yeah. Her life is watching professional baseball players. These are the best curveballs she's ever seen. And it's some guy who works in a hotel. But that's what we all think. We think he's just some guy. And then he throws a curveball so good that genuinely it looked like Amy Adams came. Yeah. It was, it was a she very like, funny shot. She like exhales and there's like a weird shot of her squatting on the ground yeah. where you can see like the outline of her vagina. <laughs> it's really strange. It's a horrible shot. It's really disgusting. And then it cuts to her in her hotel room. Also, yeah, forgot to say, John Goodman's in this film. Who's John Goodman in this film? John Goodman is the one who's, like, Clint Eastwood's boss. The one who likes him. Right. And John Goodman, voice of Sully, just an incredible actor in every respect. Also gonna be in Inside Lowen Davis, which I'm... Cool. But Amy Adams phones him up, like, you've gotta hire this guy. And he's like, they're not open tryouts, we can't just let him in. And she's like, trust me, this is the best goddamn picture I've ever seen. Trust me, I came. I came when he threw the ball. Then, right, there's so much... I want to talk about something that comes up that's relevant to this plotline, but we'll get there. We'll, we'll go back and pick up the loose ends, because there's stuff I want to talk about that we've missed. So, okay. Um, <laughs> this might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> they then at the tryouts... What team does Clint Eastwood work for? Uh, Atlanta. 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 <laughs> so they're at the Atlanta tryouts, and Bo Burnham's there, and he's blowing everyone away, and Matthew Lillard's like... Fucking Clint Eastwood, you moron. The computer said he was good. Look how good he is. Then Amy Adams walks in with the guy she found at the hotel. And Matthew Lillard, who's not been a sexist character up to this point, is like, sorry, you expect me to trust a blind man and a woman? And then she sends the guy out to throw the pitches. And Bo Burnham goes, oh my god, it's Peanut Guy. It's the peanut salesman from the start of the movie. Oh my god, he was rude to. He works in a hotel. Be careful who you're rude to. You might go to a job interview and he's throwing baseballs at you. Yo, baseball star says racist things and he regrets it. This is like a fucking Dharma video. You might believe what happens next. Then the guy just keeps throwing curveballs that Bo Burnham can't hit. Then um, Peacemaker's dad slash the Terminator from Terminator 2 fires Matthew Lillard because he's like, fuck you, Matthew Lillard. You're an idiot. This blind man's better than you. And Clint Eastwood goes, yeah. Then. No, no, he doesn't. Clint Eastwood says, and that's what I call trouble with the curve. Sorry, the the writing I wrote. um, That's it. Matthew Lillard's like, Oh my god, I was wrong. And Peter said, What now, jackass? That's known as trouble with the curve. <laughs> he so says good. the name of the film. It's so good. Now, I want to talk about this. Is, now we're in like the last three minutes of the film. I want to talk about this beat for beat. Yeah. Because this is one of the most insane endings for this film I've ever seen. So, right, here's what happens. Clint Eastwood and Amy Adams are walking out of the baseball stadium. (laughs) 
Amy Adams is texting on her 2017 iPhone 5. This is a nice yeah. phone. It's mm. for the time this is quite a nice phone. Yeah. This is not a Nokia 3310. I have to emphasize that because when she finished texting, she goes, "Ah, fuck fuck my job. I'm, also, I'm no, here no. for life." Uh, what, she she's on the phone and Kadisha goes, "What are you getting texts about?" She goes, "Ah, oh, the guy who was going to take my job is actually shit at it off off screen. So now I'm going to become a partner." Then she throws her phone in her bin. <laughs> she throws an iPhone 5, 2017, nice phone. Yeah. She has a high paying job. This is a good phone. She throws it in an open, like, large, like, hospitality grade recycling bin. Mm-hmm. Then they leave the baseball stadium. Justin Timberlake is in front of a Cadillac <laughs> and, and he's I don't know what he says he asks <laughs> he asks her to name a bunch of yeah, baseballers and she does then Amy Adams does kisses with Justin Timberlake and then Clint Eastwood <laughs> looks at them and says and I quote say it with me guess I guess I'm, I'm taking, taking the, the bus, bus. <laughs> He says, I guess I'm taking the bus. And then this 85-year-old man with glycoma <laughs> walks out into Atlanta on his own. And they play smooth jazz as credits roll. And that is the end of the film. That's the end. There's no more, like, post credit stuff. That's where it ends. What the what fuck is this movie? <laughs> what did we just watch? This ep- Right. Watching this movie has made the Timberthon worth it for me. Because yeah. there's no, like, we paid four pounds for this. We rented this on Amazon. <laughs> it's the only one of these we've paid for. I would never have watched this. <laughs> oh my god, like, I, I watched the first ten minutes and my flatmates were still in the room. We were laughing the whole time at everything. Yeah. It, and I was like, this is going to be really bad. Holy shit, I didn't expect this. Like, it says a lot about how fucked up this film is. That when Amy Adams started kissing Justin Timberlake, I genuinely thought Clint Eastwood was going to punch him in the face. Because they established that. Because he's blind. <laughs> so, right, let's Can I go... talk about a scene that I missed quickly? Yes, absolutely, go for it. There's a scene fairly early in the film where Clint Eastwood goes to visit his dead wife's grave. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't even referenced what the spoiler alert was about. The spoiler warning. What was the spoiler warning? My spoiler warning was me singing You Are My Sunshine. That's what that was! Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this, if, you, if you listened 50 minutes ago, <laughs> genuinely... Um, Clint Eastwood sings You Are My Sunshine a couple of times in this film for no reason. Yeah. And he sings it to his dead wife's grave and then pours a cold one out for her. He, so puts, what he, he has he a puts bottle a and a glass. Gla- a pint glass. Pours it onto... Like, puts the pint glass onto a grave and then fills it a bit and then just starts drinking a beer with a grave. <laughs> <laughs> but not even for that long. He didn't no, it's such, a, it's such a short scene. And what, what were you going to say? I was going to say... Uh, I want to think about how every character in that film developed. Because Clint Eastwood kind of learns to listen to his daughter a bit, but not really. And he's proven mostly right. that this Because a big part of it is John Goodman's character is like, dude, I'm your best friend. you got to retire. You're blind. You've got enough money. You'll be comfortable. And Clint Eastwood's like, comfortable's overrated. And it's like, and the film's like, yeah, this blind old man's better than a computer. He should keep his job. I'm pretty sure he does agree to retire at the end. At the end, well, he, he goes, says, "I'll think about retiring." Yeah, he goes, "I think about it." And then uh, Peacemaker's dad's like, "You better tell me." And he's like, "I'll think about it." And then when Amy Amy Adams is offered partnership, 
Penis was like, are you going to do it? And she's like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And I'm like, oh, she's quoting 30 seconds ago. It's a callback. It's a Harry Dobbs comedy <laughs> callback where he references the last joke he told. This film. This film, like... So, you said this... You described this film to me as, like, this is open road. Oh, so, so the, first, the first 30 minutes... It's just open road are again. beat for beat the opening of open road. Yeah, absolutely. This is the start of open road, the first 30 minutes. Beat for beat. But this is so better. Like, yeah. this is... I am... I haven't... I'm trying to decide on my ranking. Because we've... This is a long episode. I reckon we'll just go straight to the rankings. But... I've got a thing. I've got... Hang on. Yeah. Um, a lot of this film takes place in Montana, and as we established last episode, Justin Timberlake has a ski lodge there. He does. So, um, um, <laughs> anything else I want to say? Uh, if I had a penny for every Justin Timberlake film where he plays a troubled baseball star who needs help from a legendary older male actor, I'd have two pennies. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is one of the most whack movies I've ever seen. This it was is insane. Whack. <laughs> Which was... is not something I say often, but it really is. <laughs> this was one of the most tonally fucked hmm. films. Can I start? Can I start with the ranking? Yes. Right. This was one of the most insane cinematic experiences I've ever had. Oh, definitely. What is more Justin Timberlake than that? Mm. Every single right. Think back to Jerry. Think back to <laughs> <laughs> think back to the open road. Think back to fucking pop star. Everything we've watched so far, mm. I think I'm starting to understand the essence of a Justin Timberlake role. It yeah. is an otherwise normal character in one of the most tonally fucked things you've ever seen. Mm. Trouble with the curve is Mae Thompson's first official real one. Mm-hmm. Justin Timber piece. Right. There's a lot going on with this film for me. There's the Ben for Law rule of Justin Timberlake introduced me to this thing and that's weighing on my opinion. There's Justin Timberlake's performance itself. There's the craziness of the film. There's also now this has made this podcast feel worth doing. Yeah. Justin Timber piece. It's Christmas! Christmas! <laughs> Yes! 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 It's Christmas! We got our first official Justin Timberpiece! Who'd have thought it would be Trouble so with the, the curve. curve? Trouble with the Curve, the first official It's Christmas of the podcast. Oh my god, I'm so happy you went there. Have a wonderful Justin Christmas day. I love you. I love you all. I love you too, May. Good. Watch, genuinely, pay £4 and watch Trouble with the Curve. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.